Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, managing a high eye, dangers, part two. Here we go. Let's talk about high eyes and their excitement level because they get terribly excited about stuff and they end up starting too many things. Now, okay, I'm going I'm to bust on you a little bit here, but I, I could go back through my emails and notes from our conversations for the last 24 hours and I could come up with 10 <laughs> best ideas ever in the last yeah. 24 hours. <laughs> no, okay. So, I, you know, I, I don't want folks to get the wrong idea. Okay. We're, we're we are very aware of our self tendencies and we can, yeah. we can moderate ourselves, but it is kind of funny. We can moderate and we can laugh at them too. Yeah, exactly. So, right. so we are, how do managers deal with that? We have an eye, high eye who has tons of excitement. It's got all these ideas going, wants to start 20 things and has a tendency, frankly, not to finish them. What do you, what do you do about yeah. that? It's like Michael Keaton in the movie Night Shift. I got ideas. They're just coming at me all the time. They're coming at me. They're coming at me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my recommendation, if you're managing a high eye, is just let them go. I mean, high eyes are just great, and and we should just let them do whatever they want to do. I'm sorry. I just can't finish that with a straight face. Um, this is manager tools. This is all about achieving results. It's not about managing people the way they want to be managed. So look, yeah, high eyes. We get excited. Uh, we're on fire. We're ballistic about something. We're in fuego, right? And those are all good things. We said it before, but but it's an embarrassment of riches. High eyes think everything is going to be the greatest thing since, I don't know, transistors on a chip. And so they start working on everything with all that new energy. Now, look, some of you see the energy as a negative, and I would caution you, you're wrong. Hopefully, you see the energy is infectious and helpful, and that's good. There's nothing wrong, and frankly, there's a lot right with being excited about one's work. Remember what we said earlier, we want to separate the enthusiasm from the lack of discipline. One does not necessarily cause the other. There are people who are enthusiastic and are disciplined. There are people who are disciplined and not enthusiastic, and there are people who are enthusiastic and not disciplined, and there are people who are neither, but they don't work for you, hopefully. But sometimes, yeah, you're right. Sometimes that enthusiasm is, is an indicator that there may be a lack of discipline to follow. They go together. All that energy they have needs release. And since high eyes aren't used to feeling great about the middle of a project, by the way, high eyes tend to be really excited about the beginning. And if the, you can help them make it through the trough in the middle, they're excited about the end as well. If they get close and they realize they're going to make it, they will be indomitable in getting everything done right? Just like high D's are, right? G give it to me and I'll get it there, right? Whereas yeah. high S's and high C's don't always have that sense of we've got to get the ball over the goal line simply because they're not as assertive, not willing to be as they're not as comfortable as tolerant of risk. Well, well, part of it also is that high C's, for example, tend not to get terribly excited about things. And there, right. there's really most high C's I know, there's really no huge need for a big party at the end of a project, right? It's just... Yeah, that's yeah. what we're, that's well, just we what we're supposed it. to do, right? We're high, high right. eyes are looking forward to the party, right? They like to celebrate. So, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, see where eyes absolutely are like, can I have a party? Can we have cake? Can, can I have a hat? Can there be streamers? Can it be about me? Oh, it's going to be awesome. Dude, it's all about you. Always. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, thankfully. Thank, thank God for church. 
So look, all that energy needs release. And, and so because they're not happy in the middle of a project, they start another one. And by the way, it's going to be fabuloso as well. And what happens is they feed their energy addiction, their excitement, enthusiasm addiction by simply starting another project. And the trough of the previous project becomes the end of the previous project because they start putting their time elsewhere. Less energy is available to the things they're already working on. Now, they'll tell you their energy is boundless, right? So technically it's okay. But the problem is the issue isn't lack of energy. It's time available for them to channel their energy, which means less effort and less action anyway, if they have too many projects going. And so look, it's easy. The solution is tell them no. When they have another great idea, when they mention they're trying something cool, first thing we do is ask for more information. Look, don't just say no immediately, right? The point here is that they have to learn that energy doesn't create that much more time. Energy does create more time, by the way, folks. It's a long story, but it does. I'm not saying actually creating more time, but it does allow more things to get done in the same day. So when a high eye adds another idea to their list, they have to decide sometime what is not going to get done. Ask them to compare their new idea to existing work and make a recommendation and a choice about what all what of all of their ideas might not get done. Okay. Now, the downside of this is they're going to lean toward canceling the stuff that they're already doing because that is boring, boss, while this that I'm talking about now is awesome, okay? And you can't let them do that. The first couple of times they come to you with an analysis and it shows that they should choose that new, new thing, give them some feedback that when they start and don't finish things, they lose the right to start things in the future. And, and frankly, that is serious business for a high eye. If you want in the beginning, let them start the thing and then establish reporting. If I'm, if, if Mike was a new boss to me, he'd say, Mark, I need you to give me an overview of all the things you're working on. And I would be obligated to brief him for 45 minutes or an hour one day about all the things I'm working on. And then you would put in place the reporting and the, the deadlines and deliverables. And I would probably chafe under it a little bit. Okay. Hopefully you would sell it to me a little bit, but you don't really have to probably. We would recommend it, but as boss, you can get away with not doing it. And so you're knowing it, Mike's going to know what, I, what I'm working on. Now, what that means is when I come in with a new idea, Mike's going to say, okay, compare it to all the stuff you're doing and convince me that we should stop doing something else since clearly you're terribly, terribly busy. Or here's the key. I'm not going to let you off the hook about the other things. So Mark, if you want, Mike says, if you want to add another project, that's fine. But I reserve the right to say no. And if things start faltering, you may have to cancel the new thing and go back and finish the thing that you've already spent 100 or 200 hours working on. And if, if I then come to them with another thing, you can say, look, no, Mark, you're going to have to wait until you finish this project and this project. You can't start that one. And look, let me be blunt. Don't let me find you spending a whole bunch of time on that. I, I'm not excited about it. I probably won't. You know, he's not going to punish me for it. But but on the other hand, he would get, definitely give me negative feedback saying you're, you're headed in the wrong direction here. Yeah. Look, at folks, I, I, I hate to mention this because for a lot of folks, maybe the majority of folks, it's going to seem pretty obvious, but based on our experience, we know this to be true. This requires discipline on your part as a manager. And if you're a manager who likes to have things come in the inbox and then fire it off to somebody and forget about it and not yeah. follow up and not have an inventory on of what your folks are working on, this is not going to work. If you manage a high eye, you have to be aware of what he's working on. 
And that requires some discipline on your part. And unfortunately, far too many managers don't have that discipline. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is managerial discipline, right? It's a, what do we say all the time? Good management is boring. It's unsexy. It's unpretty. It's repetitive. It's disciplined. That's what it is. It's not what they write about. And let me give you an example, because sometimes folks like to hear insider stuff of how we manage our business. Um, yeah. Out of our staff, we have two high eyes. Maggie is nothing but high eyes. Nothing high. And Mark, right. Mark's got high D as well. As well. And so, yeah. look, we, we organizationally, behaviorally, we have tendencies toward this kind of behavior about getting excited about stuff, going off and doing projects, and then not following through on them. And so... We use Basecamp. You could use any tool you want. Basecamp is a online tool by Thirty Seven Signals, and all our Great projects. Great online tool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's awesome, right? It it's doesn't the do best everything. Ever. High C's who are project <laughs> managers. You know, okay, there's some things you probably won't like about it, but it's right. awesome. And every project that we're working on goes in to Basecamp, to Basecamp. and yep. then we review those every single week. And so yep. there's two aspects of, of this. One is putting projects in there, right? Adding new projects and then having the task and the follow through and, and who's responsible by when, right? So we have all that and we review that every single week. But the other part of the discipline for the high I part of our organization is deciding what we're not going to do. And so often we might add a couple of projects in, in, in a week. In the following week, we review them. We go like, you know, look, we're not making progress on these three projects. Are they the most important things we need to be working on? The answer is no, we put it on hold. We make conscious decisions about what not to do. And high eyes need help with that. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't have some sort of system for keeping track of it all, if you've got 10 directs, you're not going to be able to keep it all in your head. Yeah. Right? You can't. You combine this with getting things done and suddenly you realize you want it out of your head, right? In fact, I, I just thought about it, Mike. When we talk about the discipline piece, it reminds me of this story I used to tell all the time. The unofficial title of this cast should be the volcano and the earthquake, right? Yeah, because you're right. because the high eye is the volcano, and the effective disciplined and it, we're using an example of a high C manager. The effective disciplined manager is the earthquake, folks. What I'm what I mean by that is I often tell client groups and public conference groups that um, there's a movie, an American movie called Dante's Peak, which stars Pierce Brosnan and Linda Hamilton, and Pierce Brosnan is is a volcanologist, which is like a really cool job title uh, or expert title. He studies uh, Vulcans, right? He's a star Vulcan. Trek. Vulcans. He, study, he studies hockey pucks, vulcanized rubber. Now, he, so, so he studies volcanoes, and there's a town at the base of a volcano that is being threatened that Pierce Brosnan believes this volcano is going to explode, and nobody believes him. Well, the point of this is that Hollywood makes movies about volcanoes because volcanoes explode. They're dramatic. They're exciting. People die. Pyroclastic clouds form and there's bubbling lakes of acid and there's avalanches and cars get thrown into the river and bridges get knocked down and it's quite something. Um, drama sells, right? Conflict and drama sell. And so they make movies about it. And yet, on the other hand, volcanoes are simply a natural phenomenon. But when you look at the Earth geographically, volcanoes play a role, but they don't play nearly as big a role as the tectonic plates shifting around. 
Okay. I mean, the Marianas Trench and, and, and look, Mount Everest, right? In, in Asia, it was formed the highest point on earth. It was not formed by a volcano throwing a bunch of stuff up into a tall, thin tower of mountain, but it was two tectonic plates pushing against each other. I think that the official phrase is subduction leads to orogeny, which is one plate going under the other plate causes mountains to form at the, at the border between the two plates, right? And yet tectonic plates make Mount Everest. And all of the earthquakes, you know, in the Pacific Rim, in the Rim of Fire, where the plates are rubbing against one another. And yet they don't make movies about tectonic plates. They certainly make movies about earthquakes because buildings fall down, right? That's dramatic. But good management is not volcanic. High eyes, that excitement, enthusiasm, yeah, woo, great. It's going to be the best ever. That's volcano stuff. Good management is tectonic plates. They don't make movies about tectonic plates shifting a a billionth of an inch every decade because who wants to watch paint dry, right? That's why there aren't any good books or good management or, or good movies about really, really effective management. I'm talking fiction here because it's boring. It's like watching something made over and over and over again in a factory, um, now, look, there's nothing wrong with personality. And by the way, high eyes, I'm not, I'm not dooming you to a life of non-management. You can be a great manager. You just need to combine your energy with some discipline. And, and frankly, some of the high C's who are listening, you could combine your discipline with some energy. Thank you very much. Um, sometimes you really are a wet blanket and you don't provide any effective discipline as well. And that's just a total bummer because enthusiasm is good. We want both enthusiasm and discipline. That's what we want. What would you say to a high eye? When you say no, to get them to understand why that's important, to get them to accept it a little bit, to kind of speak in their language, how, how would, you, what would you tell them? Dude, it's going to look bad if you keep starting stuff and don't finish. You're not going to get promoted if you keep starting stuff you don't finish. And the life of a manager and an executive is about finishing things, not starting things. And there's excitement to be had at either end of the spectrum, at the start and at the finish. And if you do less but finish them all, you'll do better. And people will appreciate you more. Yeah. And if you continue to do that, you won't get the exciting projects in the future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You won't get the, yeah, exactly. If you don't, if you don't finish this one, I'm not going to let you work on the other stuff in the future. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Kiss of death, right? Our last danger you uh, put in the outline is that high eyes are unaware that details exist. And, I, <laughs> and I'm telling you, you're, you are absolutely, positively, you are wrong. You're high eye. You are fully aware of the details of the red lining inside your custom $2,000 suit. You're very aware of your Louis Vuitton briefcase. Look, you you have the details of fine clothing and accoutrements down perfectly. Folks, Mike and I have a running joke between us. My my suits, um, which are Brooks Brothers suits in part because... Uh, I'm an American executive, and that for a long time was the American executive's wardrobe uh, and uniform, uh, and still is to a great degree today. And you think they were wearing uh, suit jackets with uh, red lining? Really? The really? high eyes were. <laughs> the high eyes were, yeah. All those sales and marketing people were. When you have a suit made, and I have my suits made with two pair of trousers because trousers always wear out first. And historically, gentlemen, when they had suits made, if it's if it's a made suit rather than an off-the-rack suit, you make it without trouser pockets in the back. You make it with working cuff buttons, for instance, on the sleeves of the jacket, and you get to put whatever lining you want in there. 
And one of the linings is a bright red. Now, I, I don't think I ever told you this on air, but the reason I chose bright red is not only because of my favorite color, it's also the color of artillery. And you and I are both artillerymen, and I, I remember fondly my military experience, and I think it looks really good too. And, and fo- when folks tell me that, that you know, you look good out in front of an audience, which you, you do, you present well, you have like a glow to your to you? I, it's not Mark. It's, it's the, it's the lining of a suit. Dude. It's the lining of my suit. Right. I don't, folks, I don't have a glow to me. Mike is making that up. Um, but yeah, my suits, at least one, actually a couple of my suits are lined in red. I like it and it's distinctive. And when there are four suits hanging in a room or piled on the, on a credenza in an office somewhere, mine's the easiest one to find when they're all dark Navy, which that one particularly is. Okay. Enough. <laughs> So, so look, high eyes love to think of themselves as, and folks, you'll know this as soon as we say, as big picture thinkers. Have you ever heard one of your people say that? Oh, I'm a big picture kind of guy. They're probably a D or an I. And if they say it with a smile and a laugh and then tell you about all their big picture ideas, yeah, they're probably a high eye. Uh, no, what it is, is just code for, I don't need to worry about the details because yeah, I'm yeah, above yeah, that's all right. that. I'm, I'm above the details, right? Exactly. Yeah. You'll hear high eyes say things like, I'm all about the ideas. You'll notice they won't know whether something is done or not, if they're working on it, or even if if somebody else is working on it, or even if they're working on it. And frankly, what they would say is one task, really, after all, oughtn't be the downfall of their great idea. You'll notice they won't brief details of items. They'll just talk that they feel good about things. They won't have detailed spreadsheets. They'll have estimates. They will describe future outcomes rather than present status. In other words, you say, what's the status of Project X? And the high eye says, we're on track to get done on time. We're going to make it. It's going to be awesome. And if you're a high C manager and you thought to yourself, and you second guess yourself, says, well, was that a status? No, folks, that wasn't a status. That was a gut sales call by the person who doesn't want to give you actual status. Status is what's been done, what's due, and what do we need to work on in the next few days? That's a status. What high eyes give you is not status. It's a marketing pitch. It's an advertisement. And it keeps them out of the details, frankly. And <laughs> the one thing I like to say, everything must be okay because the expected return is gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, you know, frankly, the high eye status briefing, there ought to be a name for it, right? It's, it's not a status briefing. It's just a yeah, glossing there is over a name of for the it. detail. There is what, a name what is it? What is it? BS. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say crazy talk, crazy, right? He's crazy talk. That's just crazy talk. (laughs) Am I the only one taking crazy pills around here? Look, high eyes will literally tell you their budget is fine and then not actually have the spreadsheet done. How can they know whether the budget's fine? And Mike's probably saying right now, yeah, I've heard you say that before, dude. They will say all tasks are on track when they don't have any tasks actually documented. Right. In their minds, it's not a prevarication. That's just their gut feel about their idea. All tasks, quote, all tasks, unquote, is just their way of putting Vaseline on the lens. Yeah. Well, it's, it's part of, partly it's because of the way they define tasks. They don't define tasks as normal people like SICs would. They define tasks as go talk to John, go talk to Bill, go talk to Fred, right? Go talk yeah. to Mary, go talk to Sue. That's the right yeah. task, right? It's, it's a bunch of activity around people versus something with a, a deadline and a deliverable at the end. Yeah, exactly. They see it as them 
mixing it up with all the tasks and all the work and so on, but not really being held accountable. They don't want to be held accountable, generally speaking. They want freedom. They don't want accountability. And look, the answer is simple, folks. You just need to ask for more in writing. Demand the spreadsheet. If they don't give it to you in a couple of days, say, hey, look, I just want to let you know, I'm sorry, just wanted to come down and tell you. Until I get the spreadsheet, no more budget, okay? If I don't get the spreadsheet with the task list, I'm going to ask you not to work on this project anymore, okay? I'm going to tell the person I assigned to help you on it not to work on it anymore, that we're going in a different direction. Folks, it's okay if you're managing a high eye to challenge their assertions regarding status. Demand written status when you have doubts. And folks, in no less than weekly status in writing as a recurring action. In fact, build your project plan with a, a report stati- status to the boss by the end of the week. And again, it can just be an email. You don't have to make it big and formal and fancy and so on. We've caught ourselves doing that, right, Mike? We're, we're okay, let's do this and let's have this and let's have this and let's have this. And then we realize, no, no, no. Send us an email when you're done. Let's know what status is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, but, but frankly, it, it can just be an email, but it's worth having that high eye. Think about putting their definition of sta- status, and folks, they know it's vague, we do, into writing. And don't do what so many managers do and start double-checking everything you're loosey-goosey, comfortable, kind of uh, relaxed sort of guy. Don't let them do what high eyes do. You don't have time, and it's not effective. We recommend you encourage that high eye to think more clearly about details by using written documentation to follow up. When he comes in on Thursday and says, hey, can I give you a quick verbal brief? You say, sure. You, and you take a couple of minutes. And just to be clear, Mark, I expect something in writing tomorrow before you go home. Okay? Simple. Oh, I was hoping this would take the place of that. No, I, I'd still like it in writing. Um, uh, you know, but I'm just not a... Yeah, let's not... I can go over it in just two minutes, boss. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to listen and I'll be happy to make some suggestions or, or just pat you on the back. But I, I want, I want it backed up in writing too. Uh, okay. I guess I better go get writing on that. <laughs> and I think you think to yourself, gee, did I just snub him? Well, maybe a little bit, but you snubbed him in deference to the earthquake rather than the volcano because work in an organization is obligated to be reported on. The fact that the high eye doesn't like it. And yeah, we don't like it. But our lack of liking it doesn't mean we're not obligated to do it. Our lack of interest does not supersede our obligation to do so. Simple as that, right? Look, something else too. When updates are written, you have time to review them. The high eye loves that verbal briefing. They get a chance to gloss things over. They get a chance to set the agenda without actually having an agenda, right? But don't tolerate that if you don't want to. It's okay, as we mentioned just now, to have the verbal but you don't have to tolerate only a verbal. That's not maybe for you how you best learn what the real status is. And you can teach them by asking for it in writing that communicating status and focusing their energy rather than just letting it go wherever they want it to go is really the path to effectiveness. So ask for the written thing, review it before you go home, send back a couple of notes. Hey, thank really, thank you. Really appreciate that. Love this, love this, love this. Tell me more about this. Tell me more about that. And then print that, by the way, print that email out and then mention it in the one-on-one because I bet they don't even respond to the email. Yeah. Let, let me add someone on, on, on writing. So I remember having this conversation a long time back with a high eye direct and they were really questioning the need for a written status. And 
and I believe I didn't, it's not just a line I used. I, I believe this is remember, go back to something we say, a con- we say at public conferences all the time. And I can't imagine we haven't said it here on a podcast that managers are not communicated to, they're communicated through. And that goes both ways. Generally, when we're talking about that, we're, we're talking about, you know, your boss telling you and then you needing to, to pass it on to your folks. So that's the through there. But it also applies the other way around, right? Both laterally and vertically. If you get a status from somebody, it's likely that that status is important to somebody else, either horizontally to one of your peers who's working, who has people working on the project, or to your boss. And if you're getting all your updates verbally, it becomes really hard, particularly if you have 10 directs, yeah. work on 10 projects. It's really hard to communicate it throughout the organization. And frankly, a lot of a, a lack of written reporting I see all the time results in less communications about projects and the status thereof across the organization. And so, yep. yeah, I need it in writing because guess what, Bob? I need to communicate this to my peers and to my boss. And I'm not taking notes for you. I'm sorry. That's not my role as a note taker when you're giving status. Yeah. And because you're doing well in this project, you want me to communicate this status. This will make you look good. This is going to be communicated to higher levels, to executives. So help me make it look good. Yeah. And then they suddenly they go, ooh, this is marketing on my project. Ooh, it's not yeah. status. It's marketing. And I get to craft the way my status is written. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let me, let me wrap up for us. Three dangers, well, there are a lot of dangers, but the top three are high eyes don't follow through. And the answer is require them to have plans, require them to meet deadlines, set more frequent deadlines, and require them to report. They start too many things, and so you've got to tell them no when you feel like they're, they've gotten too much. And then lastly, they're unaware that details exist, and you've got to get more in writing from them. And that, of course, helps you with reporting with status as well. Um, but but you've got to avoid their interest in verbal facility glossing over the details because you're obligated to know how the resources that are working with you um, and for you are, are being applied. Otherwise, you may be part of the inefficiencies that exist in the organization, and that's not good. Now, look, this is about managing an individual who happens to be has a behavioral pattern as a high eye. This is manager tools. We believe that every individual is best managed as an individual. And that's why we find DISC helpful, because it's based on an individual's behavior. Paying attention to your direct's behaviors, seeing patterns, and knowing when those, those patterns could affect their performance is something every effective manager does. And these are just patterns that some of your directs will get into. And hopefully, we've given you some suggestions about how to address these patterns. And you, if you start thinking about this, when you see this pattern, here's how to respond. Don't worry that they're different than you. Diver- difference is good. Diversity is good. We want behavioral diversity in the workplace. It makes us all more effective. We can learn from one another. So this is not to say highs are bad, because believe me, we're going to do DS and CCAS just like this. And each one of them, each one of those three groups is going to feel like, wow, I, I have dangers. You know, my manager sees dangers managing me. Oh, yes, they do. Um, but we think when you engage, we know when you engage in these behaviors, you'll be more effective and your direct will be more effective. And that's what you're paid to be effective. Awesome. Thanks, partner. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.